You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. content offers a host of writing challenges. In addition to continuing an existing story, it must be self-contained enough so that each episode also has its own beginning, middle, and end. The easiest way to explain it is to make a comparison to comic books. You can have a fantastic story arc running through issues 7 to 14 of Amazing Spider-Man. However, each individual issue must also tell a story, something that when looked at in and of itself is still enjoyable. Certainly the reader may be a little lost if coming in partway through the story arc. However, for those who've been reading the event, not only will they enjoy the issue for its contribution to the overall story arc, but also for its own story. Last month we raved about Life is Strange by Donod. The game does a lot of things well, and the characters are mostly all quite engaging in their own ways. Episode 2 just dropped last week, and while overall it was quite enjoyable, I found it missing the mark on several fronts, and we'll discuss that in a few minutes. For anyone who's not played through Episode 2, who does not want to have anything spoiled for them, please skip ahead to our discussion on Pillars of Eternity. So for Episode 2, this to me still felt like Episode 1, quote-unquote, training us on how to use our powers. Between the test at the diner and the scrapyard slash shooting range, not to mention the train tracks, which incidentally did nothing to further the story, it felt like content you'd have put in the first episode in order to get us used to the cool time displacement mechanic. If it keeps up like this, it's going to feel... Like nothing more than a gimmick and an overused one at that. I don't know if you felt the same way about it, though. Yes, to an extent. Like the the whole scrapyard sequence was way too much. Like I don't know how much time you spent searching for those fucking bottles. Too but, long. Oh it, yeah, it was entirely too long. And but on the other hand, I can understand what they were going with of kind of repeating some of those little tests and really though no no i not, i'm not saying from a gameplay standpoint but from a story standpoint of going through that stuff and using her powers for you know not the reason she was given them as far as we believe and, and kind of seeing that the her overusing them for useless reasons is causing them to falter so from a story standpoint i can see what they were going for but it didn't work on either level completely yeah, see, I felt that it was, again, this is stuff that you would have encountered in the first episode just to get used, you used to it. The entire scene at the diner where she has to prove herself to Chloe mm-hmm. was a waste of, of time. It was a complete and utter waste of time and a long one at that too because you're not fast-forwarding through everything if you make the wrong choices either. The scene at the scrapyard where there was an improv gun range kind of thing, like you said, way too long and annoying you would think that in a space like a scrapyard that there'd be hidden treasures everywhere to find and that would lead to a lot of 
lore moments, not necessarily story, but lore moments to give you more. There's a ripped shirt, a sign that doesn't work anymore, and a few other things really, with the exception of meeting her spirit animal, there wasn't much there to do except for shoot a few things. It leads to the meeting with the guy that Chloe owes money to, certainly, but in and of itself, it was useless. And then immediately after is the train tracks immediately after Mm -hmm. that, like I said, served absolutely no point in the story's development at all, at all, at all, at all. So between all of that, and they were strung one right after the other, it, it, it lulled so badly that again, there were a lot of other things going on in this, this episode that I really, really enjoyed a lot. And it's not that everything had to be action packed either because the, the, the bus ride that took her from the school to the diner, I can see how a lot of people might've thought that was not necessarily needed or was too long or whatever, but I enjoyed it. And you don't do anything there except listen to amazing music and watch the the drive through town mm-hmm. and it gives you that nice perspective on the town and the nice shot of the lighthouse and different things like that so it's not like everything has to be a mile a minute it's just those three events that you have to prove yourself again and again and again for no reason and it was it really ground the story to a halt for me yeah because like you said the beginning of the episode and the end of the episode were both really strong and it was that middle point where nothing really happened. I, I, I don't I don't know if they were trying to add in, you know, playtime or whatever. Like like back with the diner when you're you know, you have to prove yourself to Chloe. Like I can understand either tell me what's in your po- my pockets or tell me what's going to happen. Yeah. One of those two I would have been okay with. But both, yeah, like you said, it was just like okay, here we go again at, of playing the memory game. <laughs> And again, that's it. It's a trick that was taught to you in the first episode that when you learn the trick, you're like, okay, cool. This will be fun and all that. But it's fun when it's something that you figure out on your own as Mm -hmm. you're playing and you kind of talk to a few people and then realize, oh, okay, and I can go back and do this now. That's when it's cool. But when it's forced down your throat, like, tell me what's in my pockets. I was like, oh, come on, seriously. And I don't know about you, but I, I thought there was a glitch in my game with the stupid trucker talking when the music gets changed by the cockroach. I thought there was a glitch because I thought it sounds like there should actually be a trucker standing there. So maybe it glitched because I didn't choose the right thing, but then I wasn't choosing the right thing. I was choosing cop dropped his mug, not trucker. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it took forever to get the right combination. Yeah. Like, it was, I, I had to do it uh, twice because I made the wrong choice with the cop and I had no idea what happened with the jukebox, the bag, yeah. but I learned second time around, okay, turn around and actually watch the jukebox and see what happens. Yeah. I, I'm not embarrassed to say it took me far too long <laughs> to get that one down just because I kept choosing cop at the beginning and not trucker. So then I was uh, like, oh God, I must've chosen every thing wrong from that point on. Just anyways, all that just to say it was a useless, useless test. And especially seeing as we just proved with the memory thing with the pockets. And uh, and then on top of that, when you go to the shooting range, I mean, yeah, you're seeing a little bit more not development, but, you know, the 
how it's taxing her system and the nosebleeds and then passing out. Sure. But it just was, it was too much. It was too much. And then to be immediately followed by the train tracks was yet another, well, this is just stupid now. Point blank stupid. To go take it back to the the beginning. And like I said, initially, folks, there's going to be some spoilers here. So if you don't want to hear it, then just fast forward through. When it starts off, you start with the um, her and her dorm room kind of thing. And then you wander around. And I liked it again, even right from the get-go. Because A, music soundtrack in this game is stellar. Just yes. fits the game so perfectly. But also I like it because it's it's a relaxing game to play in the same way that a Telltale game is a gaming experience. You know, it's kind of almost a cinematic experience blended in with the gaming. And I'm so all right with that and I enjoy it. So it was nice. And you just kind of wander around the room and do your little thing, check on everything, water the plant. And uh, I remember to do that this time. Yeah, I watered the plant too, which apparently is going to come back and be something that's remembered only for your plant to be on the ground later on, trashed. <laughs> <laughs> but you do see the picture of Victoria that you took on your dresser as well, if you kind of poke around a little bit. It's actually pretty smart because yes. it that opening scene serves two purposes. One, to kind of remind you of what's going on in the game if you haven't yeah. played it in a while. And two, for me, it really helps me get into that character. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, in a lot of games, I can just kind of instantly put myself into that character. It takes a little work for me to put myself into a 17 year old girl. Mm-hmm. That didn't come out right. That was really, I wasn't, you notice I didn't say anything. You could have let it go. I was not going to do I, anything I, with that. I, no, I, but the, the, the opening scene of going through the bedroom, it, it really helps me put myself into that headspace of yeah. the character I'm going to be portraying for yeah. the next couple hours. Yeah. Well, to the point of, when you check the computer and then you can go through your emails mm-hmm. and see the searches that she's been doing on like quantum physics and time displacement, things like that. So you're really getting that nice rounded off. Again, I keep going back to the idea of lore versus story per se. It's just this well-built up world around these characters. And so it's, it's all there. You just have to look for it. So to the point of, you can read the articles that were up on the, the computer as well. I thought it was going to get kind of pervy once she started heading over to the showers. And I was like, oh, God, who put out this game again? Yeah. <laughs> and I was really, really worried because this is like the big screen in the living room. I'm going, oh, God, am I going to have to pause this <laughs> at some point? Um, and- I remember playing Heavy Rain. <laughs> The, and, and like my little nephew walked into the room. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, this is I, I didn't know this game was like this. <laughs> yeah. Try explaining that to people. They never believe you. <laughs> um, but that scene, she goes into the showers and then she has that talk with Kate um, again. Really well done. Really. All the stuff with Kate is really well done. Deli- delicately handled, especially when they're talking about this viral video that she was in. Now, that being said, the viral video, they keep saying like she made out with some guys and it was caught on tape and it went viral. I'm thinking it's got to be quite a bit more than that to go viral than making out with a few guys. They don't allude to that, but I I think they kind of had to tread carefully. Very, very carefully. Yeah. 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 Um, And then there is the scene where she's in the shower. Again, this is where I was thinking, oh, how cliche is this? Like she's in the shower, but you can hear the others talking about her and things like that. So again, there was, 
there were certain aspects in the second episode that I certainly did not like as with the first one that I really quite liked almost all of it. This had those cheesy kind of moments here and there that I really wasn't digging as much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of on the same page there. Yeah. And then back to your room, see that it's been trashed. That's where you see as well that the picture from Victoria is missing. So... All the bad decisions you made in the first episode come back. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's how that works out. If everybody got that scene or not, if you tried to be nice to her. Well, you see for me, I don't know. at least um, when Max was like kind of monologuing as to what was going on, she felt that it was both Victoria and uh, what the hell was the other kid's name? Nelson, Nathan, Nathan, because yeah. I, I screwed with both of them. Yeah. So I, I'm sure there's multiple permutations of that scene, depending on what you did in episode one. Well, later on, when you're talking to the two of them, too, she is saying she wants her picture back. And the picture was missing after the room trashing, mm-hmm. which means she didn't trash real. So which leads me to believe it is, in fact, Nathan who did it, because that boy is all manner of psycho. <laughs> Oh, there's yeah. that, that's that's beyond just creepy. This 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 boy's got some serious issues. The um the stuff with the talking to the different people around the grounds too for the most part was enjoyable. However, it still came off as a lot more of what we saw in the first episode, I thought, with the exception of, you know, when you're talking to Victoria's friend there, who was Mm -hmm. the bitch to you, that all of a sudden is being nice because you asked about her mom. And I was like, "Eh, okay, I see what you're trying to do here. And with the interest of saving time, of course, there's only so much that they can do to kiss and make up. But again, and then that freaking boy that keeps bothering, (laughs) what the hell is his name? Warren? Yes. That you get a text from every freaking five minutes he's taxing you or something you're kind of starting to get on my nerves a little bit i gotta tell you well, maybe, um, it's, maybe it's the father and me kind of going leave those girls alone yeah it's it, it seems a little realistic to me though yeah that's why it's getting on my nerves and yeah. freaking groundskeeper groundskeeper is creepy as shit yeah he got real creepy in this episode there's, there's some weird stuff going on with that man i yeah yeah it's <laughs> i I don't know if you agree with me about the bus ride from the school to the diner as well, if you enjoyed it as well, as much as I did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Again, the music made such a big difference and really impressed with the score that they chose for this. The, um, again, we're, we're getting to the, the, the diner and then again, more stuff with the proving her powers and, and, and crap like that. The just real quick, uh, I don't know how much time you spent exploring, but I spent a lot of time exploring, looking for like the, the hidden pictures and whatnot. Did you uh, go into the diner's bathroom? Yes, I did. Did you see the graffiti? Yes, I did. Which I one are you talking to misbehave. about? What's that? Oh, yes. I aim to misbehave. <laughs> yeah. There was a bunch of stuff all over the place. Yeah. 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 The, um, th- this is where between here and then going back to school and talking to the principal and the security dude and everybody. And you're rehashing a lot of Mm -hmm. the discussions from episode one, which is again, nothing new, just maybe trying to give you a new perspective on why, like all of a sudden since the security dude is not acting 
quite as much of a douchebag and and trying to explain how he thinks and that he cares and all that. And it's like, you know what? But in episode one, you were an asshole beginning to end. So to me, that comes off again as lazy writing where you're not staying true to the character and kind of changing them up just to, for what suits your story. And it shouldn't necessarily be that way. I don't know, to me, it kind of came off because especially earlier on when I was talking to Joyce, Chloe's mom, yeah. how she was uh, talking about David and how, you know, it, even like to the point where, you know, I was standing up for Chloe and she's like, yeah, David was wrong and, you know, he'll be punished and whatnot for for what he did as well so it kind of came across to me as okay he got a talking to from his wife and he's trying to smooth things over with with max it made sense when it was her when it was the mom who Mm -hmm. was talking and she's talking to you about david that makes sense but when it's him all of a sudden being a lot more do-goody and everything uh... like i never got the the feeling like obviously from episode one you know david's an asshole you know from yeah, hitting Chloe to any of the other number of things he's done. But there were those little elements, uh, if like I'd taken the time to explore and whatnot, that made it seem like he wasn't entirely an asshole. Like there, there are some points where Max kept commenting how happy Joyce always looked in the pictures and that, you know, there there had to be some redeeming quality to him. So I, I'm <laughs> he's willing got to security cameras all over the goddamn I, house. Listen, <laughs> I'm just saying that they're trying to portray him as maybe 80% asshole and trying to give him a little they're more well-rounded failing. characterization. Failing. <laughs> that, it, 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 he's in the it high didn't bother 90s. me that much. It didn't bother yeah. me at all. So this is all leading up to the major point of the story. And, and this is part of what was great about it, but also part of what bothered me because there really is only one point to this this mm-hmm. episode so several hours and there's not a ton happening there's not a whole bunch of balls in the air there's one and you'll either catch her or you won't and so there's to that kind of like i said bothered me that said though talk about a powerful moment i mean this is it was a brilliant use of gameplay mechanics yeah. as a storytelling device well, because for so long we've become dependent exactly. on the rewind power to suddenly take that away gave that scene so much weight and strength what's funny is that up until then especially because of the three or four training things earlier i'm zipping through these moments now or instinctively reaching for the uh, it's like muscle memory now to rewind (laughs) kind of thing and then when you get there there actually were a few points where i'm hitting the back and it's not working and i'm seeing the little x and i'm going oh son of a bitch and especially at the end where you have to make the choice and i'm thinking did she at any point ever mention any of her family and that's when you realize you're max that character that didn't necessarily listen to her all the time and might have missed out on something like this. See, that one I got right because I found the postcard from her dad. Oh, okay. See, I... Where... Did you get did be anywhere beyond that? Or was that it for you? Oh, no. When you when you make the wrong call, she's taking it's a immediate. nosedive. See, I, I got a couple questions beyond that. Oh, really? Like, I was... Like, 
She's really uh, testing I, you. <laughs> I, I was right there, and I fucked up the last choice. Oh, man. Because, uh, like, you also found the Bible in her room, and she had a couple verses that she had uh, highlighted. And one of them was crossed out because she didn't quite believe in that verse anymore. So it comes up, and you have three choices. One is, like, a neutral choice. If you hadn't read the Bible at all, I guess that was your only option. And then you had the two, the two verses. But your choice was just the chapter and first number. And I couldn't remember which one was oh, which. Man. And I fucked it up and I picked the wrong one. <laughs> That's harsh. That is friggin' harsh. I got to the, the last question and fucked it up. Because the, the initially as you're talking and you're like keeping her from, from falling, there is intense like emotional attachment here. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, come on back. Come on. You can do it. And again, as I've said over and over again, I, I let myself get sucked in. And so I was there and it's like, okay, you can do it. And then it gets to that question and it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. You should have answered the phone. Oh, asshole. my God. No, that I did. I answered yeah. the phone so I was all right there. And there was a whole bunch of other things too where uh, – you can talk your way around it. Like the thing with, do I let this go and investigate further or go to the cops? And I had said, we need proof that mm-hmm. man, she wanted to jump over that. That, yeah, that was a big negative for the, had to work like three or four questions around that shit just to calm her down. But the family member is where I lost. And it was like, fuck. Yeah, that, that was, and it now going forward, like, you know, <laughs> Like you have to pay attention to those little details yeah, yeah. from three hours ago because it could come up. It could be important. Three hours. I love that. It could be a month ago. <laughs> I, I'm hoping they don't go that far. <laughs> that the important, you know, clues are within the episode. <laughs> What's funny but, is that when I was in her room and I put the book down for her. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. actually look at everything in the room. And part of that, part of that is my good Canadian upbringing where it's like, well, that would just be rude. <laughs> like I said, I insert a little bit too much of myself in games sometimes. It's like I'm wandering around. It's like, it'd be rude to just snoop around too much. And so I don't actually look at every single thing in every room kind of thing. Because I know it's stupid. Eh? Like in the, the room. Like, of the, in any other game, I would agree with yeah. you. But it's, in a game where you can rewind times that it was that you never looked at it in the first place. Even then, it just feels rude. <laughs> it just <laughs> does. And uh, like when I'm in the room with the, the, the two girls, too, and they're one of them's trying to invite you to a party and the other one is whatever. And there's stuff that you can look at around the room. And I looked at a couple of things and then it was like, they're right there. I can't snoop around. This is rude. <laughs> it's not right. Yeah. So the, I... I'm sure this is going to come back to bite me in the ass in the next episode or later, but I agreed to go to the Halloween party. Oh, I did not. I agreed to go to the movies with Warren. Oh, that's just a bad choice all around. And I got invited to the big Vortex Club thing. (gasps) At least two of those are going to take place at the same time. That's hysterical. I actually, I, I actually thought about doing those just because it would open up different things, but I'm assuming that other things will be opened up by saying no to them as well. And I wanted to stay true to the character. Really? Is this character going to be going to a party or whatever? Like maybe the date with Warren would have been borderline. She would have done, but the little bastard creeps me out. So I didn't want her going. <laughs> she can do better than a Warren. 
Uh, Have you seen the other guys at the school? Yeah, there is. Uh, Are you sure thing. she can do better? I think so. The, um, the, the Again, talking about things that serve no purpose with the story, the whole scene with him in the science lab where he helped him out with his little experiment, complete waste of time. That the, the only purpose thing. of that scene was for one of the hidden pictures. Oh, I didn't even look for that. Yeah, that that was one of the hidden pictures. There's a lot of stuff like that that serves no purpose for the narrative, but if you go through it, you can get one of the collectibles. Oh, okay, because waste of time, complete waste of time. Yeah, so. if you didn't get the hidden picture, it is a waste of time. Yeah, so. but I got a trophy, so I'm happy. <laughs> I'm gonna platinum this game. <laughs> All right. So, any parting thoughts on episode two? Uh, no, I, th- I think we're on the same page that. They're still doing a lot of good things, but they're they're struggling at some points. And I wonder if this has anything to do because apparently an early version of this episode yeah. leaked out. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they went back in and added stuff in that maybe wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. And that's kind of why that middle part was a little clunky. I, I don't know. But uh, at at the same time, the, the finished product speaks for itself. And yeah, it... It was definitely a step down, but I'm still really enjoying the exactly. series as a whole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I still enjoyed it, which isn't to say I, I didn't enjoy the, the episode. I actually still enjoyed the episode. It's just being critical of it when you're playing through it and thinking about it later on, when you're looking at those those moments that are either retraining you on something that you've already learned or serve no point to further the story along that's a big one too and there were far too many of those moments uh, that's when it's like no not so much i just want to say before we wrap it up i have one more question for you after kate dies who did you sell out in the principal's office oh nathan mm. that bastard's going down wait here's the, did you already report nathan for the gun yes i did okay i didn't want to cross nathan again so i sold out david oh screw that I know, way man. I am. He. I'm finding some way to take that prick down. <laughs> oh, I. I agree, but I didn't want him to be coming at me twice as hard when I still have no proof. <laughs> no, I. I. He is so going now. Between him and his old man texting me too, it's like oh, yeah. the moment I got the text from the old man, it was like, oh, this is on now. <laughs> You're going. You down. guys have no idea what you're messing with. <laughs> Same thing with when you, you. You can't kill me until episode five. Until yeah, really. then. <laughs> I'm going to make your life hell. <laughs> that and the, uh, when you come back and your room is trashed. And I mean, part of that is the obvious difference in characters and people and all that. It's we're two adult men. We're not going to react the same way as a teenage girl. Also, not just that, but a teenage girl that is fairly sheltered and shy and everything like that. And I walked into that room and saw it and I went, Oh, Victoria, you dumb bitch. That's it. Now gloves <laughs> are off. I, I would have considered an amicable ending to this, but no, no. We're you're in trouble now. (laughs) I'm really interested to see what they do going forward because I still believe that a lot of the villainous characters can be redeemed. Not saying all of them. Oh yeah, Yeah, Nathan, fuck that guy. Yeah, but even Victoria and and like I said, David. I think there is enough humanity to those characters that it'd be interesting to see if there's some way to possibly bring them to the light. If you play it like that the entire way but i've been antagonizing victoria screw it she wants to oh, be yeah. a bitch no. i'm like i'm taking the picture I'm everything. yeah so that's why it's like nope forget it you don't deserve sympathy girl <laughs> we needed a soft emotional type person so i'll have to ask joe <laughs> all right so again 
worth playing for sure. But just know that there are some issues with it. Hopefully, from here on out, it'll be less about proving your abilities and more about just using them for freaking awesome and bank robbing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like you wouldn't. Okay, moving on. You wanted to talk about Pillars of Eternity. Yeah, and this is just kind of an interesting observation about how ridiculous this spring is for game releases. Yeah. Now, just last week, we had Bloodborne and uh, Handsome Collection for Borderlands. And we had, if you care, Battlefield Hardline. And I think the new Rainbow Six comes out this week or next week. Not to mention smaller games, Life is Strange, you know, all the Telltale stuff, you know, Hand of Fate, Arbello. Like, there's a lot of stuff landing all at one time. And most of it is stuff I want to play. It's not yeah. like the big, you know, November drop where it's i can safely ignore half of it a lot of these games i do want to play mm-hmm. and just last week we got another one with pillars of eternity have you been keeping track of this game at all a little bit not not as much as you guys but yeah i have been reading up and watching some of the videos and it does look like an amazing game mm-hmm. yeah it's from obsidian entertainment which is the company that made neverwinter nights yeah. and is also largely made up of the old team from black isle studios that made Baldur's gate icewind dale and planescape torment all games that I know I loved and I know you played at least most of them. Yep, back in the day. Mm-hmm. So here we are. This was a Kickstarter project from 2012. And as much as we've been talking about crap Kickstarters, I think it's nice to talk about a successful one. Yeah. <laughs> at the time, they raised almost $4 million, which was the highest uh, earning game on the service uh, up to that point. And it held on to that record for a good while, too. And it's basically how we've been talking about with uh, Sword Coast Legends, how it's the successor to the Baldur's Gate franchise as far as Dungeons and Dragons is concerned. Well, this is also the successor to the Baldur's Gate franchise because, well, it's the guys that made the Baldur's Gate franchise. But they're moving on without the Dungeons and Dragons license and giving themselves a lot more freedom of what to do with their story and their world and also their game system because those old Baldur's Gate games – those were tied into the old second edition D&D rules, which are woefully obsolete by this point. So this gave them a lot of freedom to come up with their own gameplay systems, their own world, their own characters and everything and just really dive in and create this wonderful fantasy setting. And I love what they say here in like their their box text, if you will, even though there's no box. <laughs> Eternity aims to recapture the magic, imagination, depth, and nostalgia of classic RPGs that we enjoyed making and playing. At Obsidian, we have the people responsible for many of those classic games, and we want to bring those games back. And that's why we're here. We need you to help it make it a reality. Eternity will take the central hero, memorable companions, and epic exploration of Baldur's Gate, add in the fun, intense combat and dungeon diving of Icewind Dale, and tie it all together with the emotional writing and mature thematic exploration of Planescape Torment. I where where do I put yeah, my money? Yeah, really, no kidding. <laughs> you really don't need any more from that. Like I've I've been interested in the game, but now that it's out. I've been avoiding it at all costs <laughs> because I know I'm going to play it. I know I'm going to play it sometime in the near future, and I don't want to have a lot of stuff ruined for me. But I did look into some of the the gameplay side of things, and it seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. You have a lot of your typical fantasy D&D classes, you know, barbarian, fighter, paladin, monk, ranger, rogue, priest, wizard, and druid. But then they add in some fun new archetypes. They put in uh, one called the Chanter which is kind of like a combination between a warlock and a bard 
where they have like this passive chanting ability where they just repeat these mantras over and over again to give your party uh, like passive buffs. But within those mantras, they can also like charge up specific lines and I forget exactly what they called it. And then basically expend those as powerful invocations all through their voice and their spiritual connection. It's not magic per se. It's it's a very different way to approach a magical archetype, which I thought was really fun. Cool. And then the cipher, which is like one of the uh, – it's like the psychic classes that came out in D&D after second edition where it's a lot of mental and like soul magic and – really fun stuff like a lot of uh, abilities like they were saying that uh it's a different resource uh not mana again i forget exactly what they called it but you, you need like a psychic resource to power your spells and the only way to regain it is to activate your uh soul link ability or whatever it is that allows you to drain the the soul energy out of the enemies you fight but once you're at maximum soul energy it turns off well, in addition to draining the soul, you're also dealing extra damage. So from a gameplay perspective, it's this like riding the, 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 the surge of it, of keeping the spell active to do the extra damage, but not going so far that it tops off and shuts off. So it, it actually seems like a really fun from a gameplay standpoint. Hmm. I'm, the only thing that worries me about this is how many hours of my life I'm going to lose. All of them. Playing. And yeah. that's kind of what's got me worried. Also, I would like to see it on iPad. If I could get this sucker on iPad, man, that'd be friggin' awesome. I'd probably buy it immediately. Although that said, I might pick it up just so that I could play it on the Surface as well. Yeah. But yeah, on I, those kind of games on a tablet is is so nice. Now that I've done some of that with some of the, 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 the games they brought back that are on tablets now, it is... That, that, you know, grab them all, move them here, choose who's doing what is so intuitive on a tablet, that style of gameplay. And the one other thing I really like about what they did with this system is you gain zero experience for killing enemies. It's all through quests and exploration. So you can't just grind endlessly and face your face roll your way through the game. If you want to become powerful, you have to engage with the world and that's the story awesome. in order to do so. And that's something that I'm definitely behind and i can really respect awesome okay all right let's move on to sword coast online that you mentioned because we we got the second video with the dm mode which i've never been a dm but i looked at that and said oh i want to do that <laughs> that looked freaking awesome i don't know if this, you felt the same way this dm mode in a word unfair <laughs> That's the stuff that this guy was doing to this poor player. But one thing that I actually thought was pretty cool is if we saw from the player, he had a quest to go on to continue his story. And I would assume if you're going through in you know a single player campaign setting, you would just go through whatever pre-generated dungeon they have. But I thought it was pretty cool that he could carry that quest into a multiplayer dungeon and allowed uh, customization as far as the tile set and the enemies while still keeping the story boss in there for, for the story purposes uh, for this version of the DM mode. It seemed largely pre-gen to me. Like it was an existing dungeon, yeah. if you will, yeah. that he was just able to manipulate. But within that, there was some interesting stuff. Like, first of all, uh, the fact that the player can see when the DM is around yeah. because the DM's cursor shows up as a, as a wisp. I'm already, 
<laughs> got ideas for that of ways to just psychologically mess with players. You know, hover the wisp over the treasure chest. Oh no, is it trapped now? <laughs> you, <laughs> just ways that you can mess with the with the players without uh, actually doing anything is always fun from a DM's perspective. And how it's they can't just do whatever they want. They have their own resource that they have to spend to drop awesome. monsters and upgrade. But then they can also earn that resource as the players are interacting with the, with the stuff they're doing, but and they got it's loot. In, yes, that is that freaking is awesome. awesome. Oh my god! Yeah. So as the player is making their way through the dungeon, the DM has just as much chance of getting loot as the player does, and that's loot in the form of traps or enemies or I would assume other fun uh, DM effects that wouldn't normally be part of that dungeon. Like the dungeon they showed off, it was. Uh, Drow and Durgar, like dark, dark iron dwarves, basically, were the enemies for that dungeon. But he also got a drop that he could summon a zombie horde. So it's a way to keep the players on the toes and really also the DM on their toes of now they have this new toy and how can they fit it in? Really enjoyed some of that stuff. Even to the point where they can take direct control Dude. of the creatures, which I... I was worried that it, the DM mode was going to be entirely passive, but you know, knowing that you can take control of the boss monster and you know teleport him to another room and set a trap in between, like there's there's a lot of fun possibilities here that I wasn't expecting uh, from a real time perspective, because there's different styles of DMs as you will. For me, I like to prepare a lot of stuff ahead of time so that I know exactly what the players are going to run into at any point. But this was very improvisational and real time and that's also very fun so i'm i'm pretty uh, excited for what we saw here and i'm still even more excited because they say the next video that's going to be coming down the road is going to be about like i said full creator uh player created dungeons and the campaign mode and that is where the real meat of this game is going to lie for me so i'm actually liking what i'm seeing so far and i'm now really interested to see what more they can do with it see this is where i knowing that they're also working on like you said the um where the DM takes a lot more control over the encounter and everything like that, but that they also offer this mode as well, yes. where it's there, a there's lot, a nice in between. It's frantic. It's nuts. You're like you're going around trying to set everything up while they're coming. It gave me um, you wouldn't have played this, but it's the um, the 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 I zombie, not I zombie, you zombie, zombie you mm-hmm. game. Um, feel kind of thing where when you're the one that's dropping zombies all over the place, it's just as frantic as the person who's fighting them because you have to, okay, where am I putting them? How are they going to get there? And and you're moving constantly around. And so there was a lot of that going on here, just in a much more complicated manner because you're also dealing with setting up traps. You're, you're doing all this other stuff. You have to know part of the, the layout for like the hidden rooms and different things like that. So I like that in addition to allowing the DM to completely set everything up and take it in their own pace. They offer this frantic fun mode as well. Yeah. Like, and you definitely see that the, the real time, like as soon as I saw it was in real time, I was a little hesitant. I I wasn't expecting that, but the UI that they've implemented for it is actually really good. It's it's simplistic and intuitive, but it gives you a lot of options, and I, that's that's a really good move. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, let's move on to some other news from some other people. Just ever so briefly, we got told that Legend of Zelda for the Wii U is being delayed until likely 2016, which is disappointing, especially when you consider how how few you know Nintendo IPs are being released for the Wii U. And yeah, we're getting a little bit more, and especially with that Splatoon game, that'll be something at least but man i was disappointed I, I get what they're saying about realizing you know we can do a lot more with this and this and that and we want to basically it'll be done when it's done the blizzard mentality to game making well, but but this is kind of game design 101 of you can't keep going back and adding new yeah. stuff in that you thought of if you want a game to come out at a point you have to say that's enough we're not adding anything more Let's just make the stuff we have work really well. That's why you put out another game in less than eight years afterwards yeah. so that you can take all those great ideas that you couldn't implement the first time around and put them in. So That's it, a big one. It, yeah, it's it's really frustrating because I thought Nintendo kind of knew what they were doing. The thing is... <laughs> and I, I can understand the mindset of wanting to do all that, but... That that's not the right yeah, way to go about it all the time. They've taken nothing but shit for the the lifespan of the Wii U of not having enough first party games out. So, like, I mean, it's been years now, folks. Like, <laughs> you know this. This is a big problem. So, putting this on the back burner and, and not necessarily back burner, but just keep doing more and more and, and delaying the, the, the timeline when it's going to come out is really not a good idea, especially when they just announced not that long ago that they're working on the next console. And you're like, dude, how about freaking working on your IP, your, your first person IP games instead so that the existing one can do better. Yeah. So, so what you're telling me is I cannot buy a Wii U because you're probably just going to release a version of this Zelda game for that next, next console. console. Yeah. Yeah. I was disappointed. I mean, I'm not surprised, but I, I am definitely disappointed. Mm-hmm. Moving on. We got some news that there is an Armello update coming. Now, I don't know if you folks are playing the game yet. I still am encouraging people to pick it up and play because. I love it. I think it's a fantastic game. They are updating some different stuff with it. It is still in early access, and they want to make sure that people understand that. So they are working on it. They're listening to the community, and this is going to fix a lot of the the questing in the game. They're actually bringing the um, Alex Kane, who's a co-writer for Dust and Legion Tale, and he's going to be really doing, good fit for this game. Yeah, he's going to be doing a bunch of the quest writing. So it's like awesome. Like some people are bitching and complaining because of the exclusives that were in the Kickstarter, and for them to be able to work with tablet support and all that, the, the exclusives don't really work in properly so they they kind of did a vote to see who would be all right with how they should handle the exclusives so it's going to wind up being timed exclusives so people can buy them later on again you always have people that bitch and complain but it's a smart move i really am looking forward to this coming out on tablet i can't wait to 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 play it on tablet and the fact that they are getting a good writer to help them with the questing is again it's all that's all win so really looking forward to this update. Did you play Dust? Uh, no, I haven't. It's actually on my short list. Mm. It, it, it's a fun game. Yeah. It, like the, the writing, like 
it's one of those games that I'm pretty sure it was made by one guy. Like, I think he hired someone to do the music and that was it. But everything else was all him. And the writing at times, like, it's a little, I want to say simplistic, but a lot of the stuff really works for what they were saying, what they're trying to do. Is they're trying to take this world full of fuzzy animals yeah. and they want to make it dark without making it graphic. And hearing him talk about how difficult that balance is to achieve he's right and dust really did get that balance everything was still cute and fun but the the serious aspect of the story also came through as well without without it being so far over the top that it became comical or horrific yeah yeah and i I also want to say i i really respect just the honesty and openness again we've been talking so much about bad kickstarters and bad you know early release games here's a team that's doing it right you know they had plans for what they wanted to do those plans didn't quite work out that's how development works sometimes your plans don't work and they're doing everything they can to satisfy their backers satisfy the people who have already bought the game doing what they want listen if there's nothing we can do for you here's your 50 bucks back thanks thanks for your your faith in us sorry we couldn't make it work out and i just really respect because especially early access on steam is it's not pretty in there. Like 99% of the games are just blatant cash grabs. So any game that comes out early access that already has that scrutiny on it of, okay, how are you trying to steal our money now? And I can understand, you know, some of the gamers going in with that mindset of looking for the, the, the ripoff instead of seeing what's actually there and seeing the game that's trying its hardest to actually do it right. And Armello from what I've seen is trying its hardest to do it the right way. And early access is just a method for them to go about that. And it's something that I support and I encourage other people that it, not everything is terrible out there. Some people are just trying to put out a good product. The thing that people need to, to realize is that we're now privy to a lot of game development that otherwise was hidden from us. People don't realize that a lot of game development is try something, push it until it breaks or it doesn't work and you realize, ah, we can't do it this way after all. Change it to something else and keep doing that until the very end when the product comes out and then sometimes even afterwards. So we're, because of the way Kickstarter allows people, the, one of the big stretch goals that they're always saying is that that beta access or in some cases the alpha access and that's a huge selling point for them for different stretch goals and all that when in fact what that's doing is that that's opening those doors up to part of the process that we were never privy to before mm-hmm. so people bitch and complain well you said it was going to be this it should be that's not how it goes it's just not things change until that game goes out that's just suck it up princess you 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 gave them your money now there's the you know opposite ends of a spectrum here you can have the developers like these guys that yeah something didn't go as planned but they're working at fixing it and working with their community and then you have the peter molyneux at the you know far (laughs) other end of the spectrum you can't group them all together just because some shit changes initially so yeah i agree i like the way that was handled yeah like when ea or activision when they make a game it goes through so many rounds of focus testing and QA and development and redevelopment and scrapping everything and starting over again before we see it. 
and you know indie devs don't have those resources and so they're going through the same development process all the AAA developers are just we're the QA department yeah. and it's it's the way that it works and it, in cases like Armello where it's handled well I'm full, I'm completely okay with it yeah and speaking of successful kickstarters bad segue crowstarter went through um, crowstarter or sorry crowfall <laughs> Okay, yeah. Happy drugs. Um, Crowfall went through. Surprisingly, they hit their 1.7 million stretch They made goal. a huge rush at the end. No kidding. So we are getting combat pets, which is freaking awesome. Plus, they hit 17,000 backers. And this, I was happy to see that they're counting the ones on the site as well as Kickstarter. Because mm-hmm. on Kickstarter, they're just just shy of 17000 So that means that we're also going to get a Centaur Relic. And as a thank you, they're also tossing in another Relic as well. So that's kind of really, again, really quite nice. I'm not getting all of these because I didn't back high enough for all of them. But I will get it for a bunch of these. So yeah, we're getting like the tournament system at the the tail end there. We got the 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 dwarven blacksmith thrall, the tournament system, the combat enabled pets and the centaur relic all boom at the end there. So that was really great. I mean, these guys have made a ton of money. We got some good industry vets. I'm again, I'm not crazy about everything, but I am really impressed enough with quite a few things that I'm I'm looking forward to this. And I'm still on the fence. Yeah, yeah, on the fence and hesitant, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, definitely. We'll find out in a year and a half. Uh, got some Final Fantasy 15 news as well. <sighs> you know, there's games where, like, look at Arkham Knight, for example. I, there were some things about it that I was a little, essentially a little iffy about. But the more we learned about the game and the more they talked about it, the more they showed off, the more I got interested in it. Final Fantasy 15 has been the exact opposite. <laughs> I was initially hesitant about it. There were some things about it I wasn't quite sure about. And everything they've shown off since has only gone to reinforce those hesitations. We had another interview uh, through, what was it, GameSpot with the games director, Hajime Tabata. And most of the, the interview was actually about Type Zero, but we've already been there and covered that. But they were talking about Final Fantasy 15. And how the choice to make all the playable characters, these four, I don't want to say teenage, but young men, was to make the game more accessible. (laughs) He wanted to form an all-male party, which Tabata felt was the key to making it feel more accessible. I... I have to imagine at least some of this is cultural difference. That being said, if you're releasing a game internationally, it's going to be held to societal international standards. And this is not it. As he says, speaking honestly, an all-male party feels almost more approachable for players. Even the presence of one female in the group will change their behavior so that they'll act differently. So to give the most natural feeling, to make them feel sincere and honest, having them all the same gender made sense in that way. The world might be ready to see the curtain lifted on what boys do when girls aren't around, when they come out of the tent all prim and proper. That's kind of the idea behind it. We think, male or female player, that everyone will feel a certain connection and bond with the four characters. 
I don't know about you, <laughs> but the kind of things I got up to with oh, my all-male friends when I was approximately 20, not the things anybody wants to play a video game about. You know what's sad is that, and, and I'm not going to take away how insulting this is to women, because yes. clearly it is, and I'm not going to compete with that. But I will add, this is also incredibly insulting to men that we cannot be focused on a game or on characters if heaven forbid there are also some pretty girls in the game distracting us that that is the extent of our intellect as far as this developer thinks that's insulting like on one hand I would have no problem if they just said, we want to make a story about these four best friends. We want to tell their story. It's perfectly acceptable that, okay, these four best friends are all going to be guys. The story is going to be focusing around them, have supporting female characters in the story that are well-rounded in their own right, but focus the story on these four guys. That's fine. Yeah. I, could, I could get along with that. But to go through all this crap about this decision is to make it more accessible to the entire audience, both male and female. You're either ignorant or full of shit. Like, come on. And especially that everything we've seen to this point is only reinforcing the negative aspects of that. The one still the one female character we've seen in the game is hmm. kind of what you'd expect out of a Japanese single you know video game character sadly it's this is not good yeah i actually i hadn't heard about this like you linked it but i, I figured you'd tell us about it so i didn't actually read upon it so i didn't read this must have thrown people in a tizzy like this oh my god <laughs> this was well, not good and then of Justify course you have you have the backlash of everybody oh, trying yeah. to defend yeah. it yes of course and, and like i said i think at least a small part of this is cultural difference because it the way gender roles and whatnot are handled in Japan is different than how it's handled in the West. But like I said, if, if it was a game that was only released in Japan, I, I wouldn't care. But it's a game that's being released worldwide, and it's going to affect people worldwide one way or another. And just speaking on it so, like, with this hardline approach that this is the way things are, that's, that's insulting to me. Yeah. It like you, it's you want me to play your game and you're telling me that this is how it's supposed to be when it's when it's not. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about a Final Fantasy that's a lot more fun right now. <laughs> and that's 14. Yeah, Final Fantasy Record Keepers on my phone. I've been having a blast. With it. <laughs> you know, what? I saw it. I almost installed it. And then I, went, I don't play enough Final Fantasy that I would get any of this. I'm stuck on this one fucking boss that's pissing me <laughs> off. Um, you were saying you actually haven't had as much time to play this week. I actually played quite a bit. I played with my son and, um, he switched over his Arcanist to a rogue and he's mm. been loving the rogue and burst damage on that thing, at least at our levels is oh, yeah. sick. And the animations are really, really cool. And I've been playing my little Arcanist now. For people who haven't played the game, and I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert because I'm still trying to figure this shit out. But That's what I'm here for. There's three different starting areas. 
And then based on not your race, but your class, that not class, your, your profession, that determines um, where you're going to go. Now, they lock you in tight wherever you start off, that, that mm-hmm. area. And then not all of um, the, the professions are available to be trained in each of the starting areas. Right. So then my little arcanist has reached 15 and it's like, okay, now I need to get conjurer because conjurer is what I need to get to 30. Oh, so you, you were going the other way. I see. Okay. Yeah. So, but the problem is now is that you, and I had to freaking look online to figure this shit out. <laughs> you need to do the world quests, not your class or profession quests. Mm-hmm. And that's what will open up travel to the other areas. Well, if you've been going along, you should have pretty much unlocked that right around the whole 15. No, no, not even remotely close. There's <laughs> enough going on with side quests, fate things, and all over the, the place, plus your profession quests and whatnot, that I was not anywhere near actually um, – I wasn't close to – well, I'm still not done. My goddamn Arcanist is like level 17 or 18, and I still haven't unlocked the way to get back. And, I mean, I keep reaching these milestones and quests, at least it feels that way, (laughs) and going, okay, this must be where it unlocks. No. Fuck, where does it unlock? Oh, this must be it. No. Son of a bitch. So I'm still stuck in freaking Limsono, Limsana, whatever the fuck the place called. I can't remember. And... And I still don't know at what point I'm going to be allowed to go to Gridania, Gridania, whatever, to go and get my stupid conjurer thing. It's annoying as shit. (laughs) I don't like this system. I get where they're coming from, but I really don't like this. Some of it is also because you did it backwards. Like, Arcanist was kind of supposed to be your second class, not your first one. If you wanted to be White Mage. Says the game. No, it doesn't. It says you need this one at 15, this one at 30. It didn't right. say which one you needed to get wet. Well, the way it's presented is if you want to play a white mage, you should start as a conjurer. And then once you get your conjurer to level 30, they say, hey, you could use a little training in Arcanist if you want to be a white mage. I'll see that. I didn't. See, you, you kind of went into the forums and went, oh, okay, this is what I need and went in with knowledge that the game doesn't present you. It's stupid. And stupid. You've leveled higher. I'm going to assume you did the world quest. Did you unlock getting to other areas? Oh, yeah. I've got everything open. Okay. So where did you – And I had it. And and this was, I want to say, at highest level 16 or 17. Okay. Where did you start off? In in Limsa. Okay. Because I was a, a marauder. Okay, fine. You tell me because I need to know. <laughs> At what point am I getting this shit done? Because what what was the last main story quest you did? I did the big meal with the weird cat looking chick. Oh, you're right there. And passed out. Yeah, you're right there. Okay. The the next quest is saying, "Hey, be my emissary to the other two cities." Okay, because yeah, I I got to that point and it's like this must be it, and then it's like you pass out and you're in your room, and then there's some more stuff, and I'm going, "Oh, come on." If anything, that should have been it. Okay. No, that, that is it. God damn. Because I just want to move on and get my freaking other quest things or uh, professions. 
Okay. All right. That being said, I will say again, the I, I really like the questing in, this, in the game. It doesn't solely rely on you just going and killing everything. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, whether it's a delivery or go and figure this out or diff- things like that, which I really dig. I mean, a lot of the the experience that we're getting is from turning in quests or different things like that, or sometimes the fates and all that. But I mean, it's not just strictly going and killing everything. And I really dig that a lot. I'll be very happy once I have a mount because goddamn getting around from <laughs> lower or middle all the way to the Western zone can take a little while and it's annoying. So I'll be happy once I have the mount. Well, but now that you're starting back over at level one, you're going to have to wait even longer. <laughs> actually, Tristan was when he switched over his Arcanist to a um, rogue. Yeah. He was like 12, 13, I believe, or so. And he leveled up fast. It's, it's, it's actually a really nice system. If you're leveling a job that's lower than your highest level, you get extra XP. Yeah, yeah. So that's what he found out, and he leveled it quite fast. So that's why I want to get in there. So yeah, just with doing fates it. and your hunting log, you, you should be leveling up that conjurer pretty quick. Exactly. And then I'll work my way towards getting the, the mount. Maybe throw in a guild leave or two. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, the... I, I love the system. That That... Notwithstanding so the lock down, a half down. dozen different ways to earn experience. Yeah, yeah. The I don't like that the the starting cities are locked that tightly because I like being able to go mm-hmm. where I want. Sometimes you find a starting zone that you prefer, so you want to do those quests and whatnot. The stuff. It, at, it's also a thing like oh, you know, you start up with friends. Like if you and Tristan, yeah. like if Tristan wanted to play a pugilist, you wouldn't have seen each other until level fifteen or whatever. Well, see, that's the thing. <laughs> you wouldn't too. have been able to play together. And that's the reason why I chose the Arcanist because I was going to do mm-hmm. the Conjurer first, but Tristan had already made his dude. Yeah. So if we were going to be playing together, I had to choose the Arcanist. That's why I told him. I said, well, I need Arcanist anyway, so I might as well do that first and then I'll just get the Conjurer later on. But uh, but yeah, so that's there. there's things that are not friendly for grouping. Same thing with there's a number of quests where you actually have to do them solo and i hate that i really hate that if you're putting us it's, in, it's the old republic syndrome i oh yeah and i hate that i really hate that again if you're making us party together nothing tears that apart like saying oh you need to kind of do this by yourself and it's like oh screw you the whole point is to game together so and especially because we play a lot of these games together i hate when we get separated like that for games See, and it, it, some of that I, I think is backlash to Final Fantasy XI, where you couldn't do anything by yourself. You could level to ten; that was it. Every single thing for the entire rest of the game required a full group. So I think when they were working on fourteen, they they took that criticism and went maybe a little too far with it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so like I said, you 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 haven't been playing as much. Yeah, I, I haven't touched it since the last time we talked. We we leveled up. To again, I'm at like 17 or 18, and Tristan is now closing in on 15, I believe, with his new rogue. And he's happy he went the way that he did too, because he has a heal now as a rogue. Mm-hmm. So, which is kind of yeah, cool. the cross class stuff is a blast. Yeah, so it's not something that you necessarily would would think of, but it makes it kind of cool. So, I want to say so can Archer. continue with your main story a little more, and you'll uh, hit that first dungeon. <sighs> no, I need my freaking Arch- conjurer, dude, so I can be a white mage. Maybe a scholar. Well, you can't be a white mage in the first dungeon anyway. What do you mean? It level caps you. Uh, 
And since you can't be a white mage until level 30. I can't heal, though. I got one healing spell. I don't know how it can be done. I would hate to have to heal something with this with one. Plus, don't you get a different version of Carbuncle that has healing ability? Not at this level. My Hmm. Carbuncle, I've got the DPS one that shoots back, and then I've got the tanking one. Which, okay, I will say this. Little freaking Pikachu Carbuncle there. Awesome. I love him. I love him like I've loved no secondary pet (laughs) or whatever little tanking pet. He is my precious. That little bastard can tank anything. And effectively, too, I was doing um, Arcanus' DPS. Yeah, well, Arcanus also has a freaking hell uh, heal. Freaking Malagash. All right. Yeah, but he's saying when you queue for an instance on an Arcanist, you'll you'll queue his DPS. Whatever. Um, yeah, so I went from like you, you kind of run around and try not to be hit as a clothy, but then I got that little bastard and I was amazed at how well he handles threat. We, I was doing a fate system mm-hmm. and it was like a high level one too. And it had one of those big freaking jackal things. And I know exactly the one you're talking about yeah, and because I had a similar experience where some dumb arcanist tried to solo it, which he couldn't have done. I, eventually his carbuncle would have died and the jackal would have eaten his face. So I jumped in as my tank and I could not get threat, threat off, off of the it. carbuncle. I had to wait for it to die before I got threat. <laughs> oh, man, I was holding threat with it and all the other guys were DPS in our fate group. So they all just DPS the shit out of it. And then all I did is I kept my carbuncle as my focus. I've moved around. That's the other thing, too. I really like the UI stuff for mm-hmm. this, although it could use some more tweaks to allow you to change the scale more of individual things and move. But that being said, it's still really nice the way it's set up. So I moved some things around. So I've got my my focus literally right beside my dude to the right. And so I can see. And then all I had to do was keep clicking that and healing my carbuncle. Put all my dots on the, the, the thing through a couple of... Uh, DPS abilities, and then boom, back to my carbuncle, heal him up. And I have actually tanked, solo tanked, a lot of shit that should have killed me, but <laughs> little Pikachu held aggro. I just kept healing him, throwing my dots, and we won. And it was like, you are awesome. I love you. <laughs> Let's see, freaking Pikachu, try that shit. Little freaking charred pile of ashes. <laughs> my carbuncle, still alive and kicking. So anyways, um, yeah, a lot of stuff that I'm really still seriously digging. The uh, I've actually put all of my other MMOs, with the exception of WoW and Hole, because my son and I still bounce into that, but a lot more rarely now. I mean, I go in, I do my my follower stuff, but even then I'm missing a lot more days since I started playing Final <laughs> Fantasy, and I'm so freaking all right with that. So for folks who are interested, if you're curious and you'd like to just play with us as well, too, we are on the fairy server. So and uh, and if you're you're interested, you can ask us on Twitter. We'll pass you our names and whatnot. And uh, and so, yeah, come and join us. We're having fun. Mal brought a, a tune over. So he, he actually popped over beside me at one point. It was like, who the hell are you? Why is your name a different color? Oh, hi, Mal. 
So he's been great. Um, anyway, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you for joining us. As you will have noticed, Joe was not here. He has some family matters to attend to. And on that note, it would be super awesome if you go ahead and send him a tweet at LoaderZJ. Tell him that you're wishing some all your happy thoughts to his old man who is going through some things right now. Just wish him well needs the support you can also find us at for the lower on twitter or individually vince is at simonian and myself is zen buddhist you can go to the site the show notes will be there at for the and of course next week on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time for the slash live if you want to join us and you can find us on stitcher and itunes leave us some comments there and with that we will see you guys next week problem is is that that's when you're it's going to start messing up with the attributes because it, you're using different attributes for those two so you can't yeah. effectively do them both if you put the attributes into your conjurer it won't affect your arcanist at all what well, how does that make sense your conjurer and your arcanist are two different classes they each have their own unique ability points yes but so i thought they saying? shared no. So One, you have... You need, you need to level Arcanist to learn how to be a white mage. Your Arcanist levels have no... Like, the points you put into Arcanist have nothing to do with that. I can hear you getting frustrated with me I'm for not so getting I'm so frustrated. It. Here's... here's Okay. <laughs> okay. You level your white mage to 30. You can't level a white or, mage. Sorry, you level your conjurer to thirty. Yes. You get a quest saying, "Hey, go level an arcanist to 15. Already done. Once you do that, they give you a piece of equipment, a crystal, a job crystal. That when it's your white mage job crystal, when you equip that onto your conjurer, it turns you into a white mage. Okay. And like it's it's you can even unequip it and also still be a conjurer. Because, like, there are situations because the advanced classes don't have as much access to cross-class stuff. That still doesn't explain the attributes. How doesn't it? Your white mage is your conjurer. End of story. Okay, but it's not end of story. Okay, explain your pattern of thought to me. (laughs) Let me get a pen and paper. You're going to make a terrible parent, okay? You need a little bit more patience. Talk about my kids are going to have their shit together. Stupid. <laughs> okay, trust me. Oh, man. Oh, one day. One day I will be giggling myself to sleep just because you'll be saying shit and they'll be like, oh, karma. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. The attributes th- stuff. Now, mm-hmm. I was under the impression that. Now, you told me that. For some, the attributes are different, but for some, they're the same. The only one that matters is Arcanist. The attribute, like, let's say you want to become a scholar. So you're going to pump your attribute points into mind. Well, the Arcanist can also become a summoner. So your summoner is going to have the same attribute point distribution as your scholar. That's it. Yeah, but the, the, the... The conjurer is going to be 
the conjurer is going to have its own attribute point distribution, separate from what you've already done on your Arcanist. How is... Okay, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. How is the final job not... You know, the the final... Okay, let's take White Mage, for example. Mm-hmm. So White Mage is Conjurer and Arcanist together. No. White Mage is Conjurer. Leveling Arcanist is just a quest to earn White Mage. Okay. That's it. See, that's what was holding me up there. Because White I was Mage in the White Mage is Conjurer, nothing else. Okay. Okay. It's, it's not like you're equipping both base classes. Okay, see, that's where it was not clear in the shit that I was reading either. Okay. All right. See, that wasn't so hard. It was... And I had to figure it out on my own. You didn't really explain it. I came to my own aha moment. So there. Mr. Daddy of the Year. I'm proud to say that she's my buttercup. I'm in love. I'm all shook up. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.